What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Y'all, relationships are hard. Yeah. The people that you spend the most time with and the people that you're the closest to have the potential to hurt you the most. Yes. And because of that, you find yourselves in situations where there's conflict and a need for resolution, especially if you plan to continue moving forward in these relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, anyone, especially the people that we let closer into our our hearts, the person that we let, the people that we let into our real lives, our real selves, have the capacity to hurt us the most because we care the most about them. Mm-hmm. And we care the most to maintain that relationship. They matter. And they know the most about us, so they know where our weaknesses are and what hurts us the most. Mm-hmm. And we spend a ton of time together, you and I. We do. And sometimes, whenever, and we aren't very much alike in certain perspectives, you know? We think very differently. Yeah. We perceive differently. And in the course of our being together all the time, it almost feels like sometimes like you're a sister. You know, we spend that kind of time together. And I have some relational wounds from my sister. We grew up under each other pretty much. Yeah. And 22 months apart, I'm the middle child. My sister's the youngest, 22, and I'm 22 months on either side. 22 months from my sister, 22 months from my brother, who's older. But me and my sister shared a room for 16 years, and we were on top of each other, you know? And so you and I being as close as we are, sometimes you kind of rub on my sister wound, mm-hmm. you know? We've talked about that. And recently we got into what I call, sorry, I have couples therapy words that, that just, that's what I call a conflict is rupture in my world. So I'm trained in emotionally focused couples therapy, and that's just the language I use when I process conflict with people. So if I say rupture, that's that's my clinical jargon coming out. And mine sounds like, you came at me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We had a rupture. Let's let's work on repair. And you're like, no, that's not how we talk. Um, But yeah, we had we had a rupture in my world. We got sideways with each other Mm -hmm. and in order for us to go, when, when we went from rupture, the process from that initial rupture to repair was a long and winding road. And that's kind of what we want to talk a little bit about today. Whenever you, um, are in a close relationship with someone, be it a family member, a friend, um, an intimate partner, a a sexual relationship, whatever your relationship status is, however that flows, you have got to find ways to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And whenever hurts, as we call them, come into play, then you have to recognize those things. And so today we're just going to break this down and talk about um, this when she came at me, bro. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about serious in all seriousness. We're going to talk about this 
disagreement that we had and what steps we took to remedy that and why and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, because we know everyone listening has the same thing in their lives. If you have let anybody into your life um, that you care about deeply and who knows you well, you have been where we've been. And we recognize that um, when we went through this recently, we were like, this is everybody. Everybody who cares about anybody goes through this. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is vital. I knew whenever we were working through it, I was like, God's going to make us talk about this. Like, Mm -hmm. he's going to make us talk about this. And, And of course he did. So... It's it's universal, and um, I think it's it's really important that we kind of share uh, what we learned from it and what we're continuing to learn from it. And um, yeah, the the bottom line is like what what originally happened um, between the two of us. In a nutshell, and the high flying first, we'll go go into the weeds as we move along. But there are perceptions that I had, you know, we were getting together to do work <laughs> and there were podcast funny enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were getting together to, to get some things done, get, get an episode completed and sent out to um, the editor. And, um, we had, I was perceiving that morning that we were starting that you were not, you know, engaged fully. Let's just say that. and. I just kind of sensed you were not all, you know, not all in it like you were there, but you were like, yeah, you know, your mind was other places. And so I also had other things that I felt that I needed to deal with. Some things came up, phone calls I had to make or felt that were timely. Um, You perceived that differently. You thought they could wait. Um, Well, is that right? Yeah, I was going to say. Your perception of me not being present in the moment and having like feeling distant or having um, being not fully there when we were doing things was a perspective that you had. But the funny thing is, I also had that perspective for you because I was physically present and you were doing other things. So. Yes, we both thought that the other one was preoccupied mm-hmm. with with other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also had a misunderstanding about when we would be ending. I thought I communicated that I needed to end earlier. That was not understood by you, whether we didn't have that clear. We yeah. were on different pages. And so at some point, I came back from a phone call and said we were didn't have much time left. And in your mind, we had time, plenty of time left, you know? And, um, whenever I mentioned to you, Oh, I'm about to have to peace out. I got to go do this thing. Then I saw a reaction in you that tripped my trauma wire. Yes. But way before that, for me, Mm -hmm. you had already been setting the stage that was, that was tripping my trauma mm-hmm. triggers. So without going into all the details, because like it's all the details aren't as important as how we get to the resolution and what happens, but it is right. for context. We're right. working on the podcast and um, I come in about 20 minutes later than we had set to originally do the time and Usually that's kind of a big deal to me because um, in the past, it we found that it works best for us when we schedule our podcast time, but just because real life gets in the way and we are together a lot. And if we don't make it a point to schedule it, then life happens and gets in, mm-hmm. gets in our way. Other things interfere. So we had scheduled the time and... Um, I was about 20 minutes late to the party. And right off the bat, I could sense that 
Well, at first I thought things were good, but I could also sense that you were a little tense. And um, so I was like, okay, well, I asked just morning questions, you know, like, did you get this done and that done? Things you were working on that I knew mm-hmm. you were working on. And you were also um, had been doing a little bit of a morning like meditation type Bible study thing. And mm-hmm. you were still working on it. And so I made breakfast and I sat down and had breakfast while you finished that up and we talked for a minute and we get into podcast time and you have to take a phone call mm-hmm. and so then you come back and we are going through some edits and we listen to like 45 minutes of an episode and I'm you know we're talking during this 45 minutes we're listening to it but we're also doing edits you know and I'm I'm with you on edits, I'm t- we're talking about our edits and mm-hmm. going through these things. And a couple of different times while we're doing that, you're like asking me if, are you good? You know, like, are you, what's, you know, what's going on at your, your yeah. tagline? And I'm yeah. like, I'm here. We're doing edits. Like, and, um. The more you asked me that, the more frustrated I got because it felt to me like you were acting like I wasn't as engaged and we're doing edits like we are actually doing them. So to me, I was like, I don't know what your freaking deal is. Quit asking me these questions. Mm-hmm. But I didn't communicate that. I was just like, yes, I'm, I mean, I we're doing the edits. 45 minutes in, you have another phone call that you have to take and now I'm getting annoyed because usually when we set aside podcast time it's we don't do anything else in podcast time Mm -hmm. and that's no phone calls no emails no other distractions because that's the time we've set a time set aside for it and so this is phone call number two and you keep peppering me with these questions like I'm not fully engaged and I'm like in my head, I'm thinking, you've, you're you taking phone calls, you're leaving our conversation, and then you're asking me, well, what's up with me? Why I'm not in, engaged, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating me. And um, when you come back from that second phone call is close to the time. We, we did get back to the podcast again for a few more minutes, and then... You said something. I don't even know what all you said, but at some point you said, well, I got to get ready. Yeah. And I was like, ready for what? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you say that you're leaving, like in, I don't know, however many minutes you had to go right. somewhere. Right. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. And like, we've got a podcast. We and- have to podcast. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean? You're leaving. You know, like we have time scheduled and from there i get a little bit fuzzy as to what happened but at at some point you decide that you're going to get up and go get ready and when you do you set your computer in front of me and tell me to type the show note and walk off which further makes me angry because i am Yes, a lot of the time show note is something that I do, but as a whole, to me, the podcast is something that we do together. Mm -hmm. So I felt like you were busy doing whatever you were doing that was more important than what we were supposed to be doing. And then when you were ready to be done or doing whatever else you were doing, you put your computer in front of me and tell me to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I took, I had an issue that I kept having to go back to that I felt was important and timely, and I could have communicated better to you what was going on. And I could have asked rather than just going, hey, take this on, you know? I got to go take this. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, we learned that or I learned that, could have communicated that rather than we were just making assumptions and not, we say all the time, 
we have to yeah. over communicate. Um, they're just assumptions that we will make. And then we find out later we made assumptions and then got crossways. And it's like, we can't even assume the slightest thing that you would think you could assume we have to communicate everything yeah and that's like our our number one rule of how we interact now and we've known that for a while but yet we still will be like i thought i communicated that you're (laughs) like no you didn't specifically say we're like wow we <laughs> we suck at this communication we, thing. We How mean to over. We feel like we over. We talk and over communicate oh. all the time. I feel like we do it more than most people do, and yet we still yeah. are human beings, and we rely on our own assumptions, which are exactly that. They're assumptions. They're not facts in reality all the time, and then we get into. Uh, 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 you know, I guess a, a rupture at, at worst, but even just a little like a little spat or just a, a, con- a confusing state that doesn't, otherwise doesn't need to be there. Well, because somewhere in all of this, I don't remember if it was before or after the computer mm-hmm. that I got, I got mad, mad. That was after. Oh. I left earlier in the day to go do that, and I came back, and that's whenever I came back is whenever I said, oh, dang, like, I'm going to have to leave um, here pretty soon, and that's when, that was the first time for me, like, you had already been, like, brewing, I guess, a little bit, and that was the first time for me I saw, like, a heart, like, a whoosh reaction. Because when you were leaving, I was like, are you freaking serious? Like, we haven't done anything. Yeah. And you kept bringing up the fact that I had overslept. And it was a little bit blowing my mind because the way you were saying it was, you... Well, you didn't even get up. I had to wake you up, and I didn't know it was my responsibility to wake you up. And I'm just looking at you like, are you, why are you, we're having this conversation? And then you say, again, you said that several times, and I'm probably, because I'm looking at you like, what the heck? And you said, I mean, I know it's important to you to to be on time when we do our podcast and you know you you know but then you were late like and I then I got real pissed because basically what I was hearing in my head is I've taken all these phone calls I'm the one leaving today but you're still the one not doing your part. Mm. And you call that tit for tat. It felt very tit for tat. It felt very tit for tat mm-hmm. for me. So in by that tit for tat, I was saying like, I actually said, I don't, I didn't know we were keeping score about like who's late to get here and, and what. And I'm like, and since when can't you wake me up? Like, I didn't know that that was a big issue for you. Like that you had to wake me up. So I got real mad. Mm-hmm. And when I get mad, even when I don't get mad, y'all, I'm loud. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know this yet or not, but I'm extremely loud. When I get excited, I'm loud. When I'm happy, I'm loud. When I'm angry, I'm super loud. And then I got loud because then I got pissed. And when I got pissed, I got loud. And you were like, whoa. You yeah. were like yelling. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm pissed. And when I see that, all of the fear in my body, I either will fight back or I get to a point where I got to I got to get out because I know myself and I will get even I will say things and do things I don't want to say or do. So I have to go and calm down like I'm trying not to react more. And so whenever I did that. I left and did not leave. I think I just said, like, I got to, you know, 
I got to get out of here or something like that. I don't know what I said, but I didn't say, I did not come back to the, the conversation. I was. You said, I, went, I know what you said. What? I need a minute. That's what you said. Uh-huh. And because it, it was another thing that made me mad because you didn't come back. Mm-hmm. You didn't say, I'm leaving. We're going to have to pick this up another time. Like, we're going to have to talk about this mm-hmm. later. Yeah. You said, I need a minute. And I did not communicate what I was doing. When I get when I took my minute, I also looked at the clock and I was like, I got to get out of this. Like, I'm going to be late to the thing I need to get to. And so um, did not communicate that in my anger and I would say just emotionally intense state and was trying to get myself to a place of like, <laughs> you say saw. It's yeah. like, kind of just imagine someone meditating. Like, that's like, oh, I need to calm down, you know? I got to get myself to this place where I'm whew, breathing at a regular pace and my heart rate returns so that I can move to the next, you know, thing I need yeah. to get to. And did not communicate that to you, which obviously in hindsight should have communicated that because then you're just seeing that I'm abandoning the conversation, Mm -hmm. which hurts even worse. Yeah. And so we don't come back to it. You end up leaving. We had enough stuff done, I guess at the, at the time, but you end up leaving and emotions were raw. I was exhausted. My mind was, I told you later, I don't like my mind was just goo, you know? And I was having a hard time even processing what happened. Um, it I, on the too other fast. Hand, I, on the other hand, took detailed play-by-play notes yeah. <laughs> because I was mad and I wanted to remember exactly what I was mad about, mm-hmm. which is funny because you're the scribe. Yeah, I normally am. But I mean, also the other factors in that, too, where there were other things that were pulling at me, just responsibilities and just being stretched in a lot of areas. And I was just honestly depleted physically. (laughs) Like I was just, I was tired. My brain was like short circuiting is what it kind of felt like. And so I did not return. I was, I did not feel able to return to the conversation. Typically how I operate is I don't want to come back to a conversation and revisit the rupture and try to work things out until I've had time alone with God to like look in my mirror and get past whatever I might be upset about and try to look at myself and try to hear from him. Like, what what do I need to know? And I need to search that out. It, for me, it helps whenever I can have time and make the time to search that out before I come back to the situation. So I can already, what I like to do is be able to own my own stuff whenever I come back. And I just couldn't get there as quickly as I usually can. And um, and so in the meantime, we had other things that we have to check in on every day. And we're having these awkward conversations because we have not dealt we have not gone through each and every step so we haven't dealt with the issue yeah so that was particularly difficult for you the waiting and my general rule is don't (laughs) don't go longer than 24 hours without picking it up well your general rule ideal is like immediately pick it up and hammer it out or Take, I'm not saying don't take time, but my, my deal is, um, work through what you're, what you're dealing with because it doesn't go away. Yeah. That doesn't mean that sometimes you don't need to take a breather. Like sometimes people get heated and they need to take a breather. So when you said, I need a minute in my brain, you were taking 15 minutes or 30 minutes, something to get yourself under control so that you could have a rational conversation. But you didn't come back to it. Mm-hmm. And so my rule of thumb is you fin- you have the conversation when you have the fight for a lot of reasons. One, it's freshest. So all the information's there. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to think about what happened 
a week later. And for two, it feels to me that if you're having a, an argument or, or a rupture, as you call it, or you come at me, bro, <laughs> it feels to me that if you, especially with someone who you have to have day, daily interactions with, mm-hmm. if you leave that stuff hanging and pretend like it's not there or you're not dealing with it, mm-hmm. then it makes everything else that you have to do awkward. Mm-hmm. And I don't like awkward because to me that's not real. It's it's fake. You're just going through the motions. And I hate that. And you also grew up that way. Like y'all would have fights and there would be some sort of rupture or issue. Yeah. And there would be just um no deal no dealing with it. We would just like people would walk away from the conversation and then Fifteen minutes later, they want to talk to you like your BFFs, like there's nothing just happened. And I'm like, we just had like a knockdown drag out. Like we need to talk about this, mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. it was. I grew up in an avoidant. <laughs> That's just the style that happened, and I didn't. I did not like that because I'm not an avoider. I want to hash out whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I have the um, ability to be present. In whatever's happening while I'm feeling my feelings. Like, I can put them aside to have a cognitive conversation. And I I do recognize that not that's not everybody's style. Not everybody can do that in the moment. But for me, that's how I deal with things. Mm-hmm. So because we're coming from two different places... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work that needs to be done there, which means lots of over-communicating. Mm-hmm. And just to point out, too, this is really common, and it's not a right-wrong thing right. necessarily, but people have different paces that they are ready to come back when they're ready to come back. When I'm working with a couple, this I see this all the time. It's like somebody, oftentimes one person is ready to like deal with it or wants to is more urgent. You just usually more anxiously adapt to people, but not always. And um, and the other person is doesn't process at the same pace or is not ready to revisit as quickly. And so oftentimes it's not we're ready at the exact same time and, you know, and that sort of thing. And I like I said earlier, I always try my best and I try to practice what I preach, that you don't come back to it until you have an awareness of your own self in it. Because if you come back to it and you're just ready to put your feet down and plant your feet and state your your position, then nothing is going to change. And so for me, I need my heart to shift. I need my mind to shift. I need I need to try to put myself in that person's skin and on your end, you're like, I'm already in my skin. I could have explained to you mm-hmm. what the skin feels like, you know? Right. You're like, I can tell you, you don't have to sit there and wonder. You don't wonder. have to wonder or guess. You know? Like- and I'm like, that's that's just how my process is. I tried to do that. I guess that's my way of, like, growing empathy for people without them trying to, you know, I want to kind of connect with that a little bit before somebody tells me, even if... Honestly, we've learned it's best you just report for yourself rather than me <laughs> trying to figure out, hmm, what might it have been like to be in her right. position and what might she have heard from her vantage point, which is still, I think, still good to do is to to sit and contemplate how your actions and words affected another person. But... It's not as important as hearing it straight from them and saying, how did my actions and words affect you? What was that really like? Rather than, again, like we said, making the assumption that you know what it is like in their skin. Because because ultimately, your assumption is going to be biased Mm -hmm. because it's based on your thoughts and your behaviors and your perceptions. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. even in your assumption, it's biased to you, mm-hmm. you know? Because- and even though I know you well, like I know where, because I know you so well, I know where your wounds are because you know me so well. 
you know, where my wounds are. So you can make a, a pretty good guesstimate about that, but not as clearly. You can't guess at all. Right. You can't be right about it all. Well, and we can make good guesses about some things and some things we'll be right about, but we're not going to get them all right all uh-huh. the time. Yeah. So whenever we finally did have that days later repair, it was a four hour conversation. Yeah. But very, it was productive, even though it did take four hours. I really care about you and I, I, that's worth the, the loss of sleep or whatever it took to have that to completion. And some people have to go, like I, I tell my people, go, sometimes you have to go a few rounds before you get the complete repair before. Sometimes you have to talk about it a few times before you get an understanding of what happened and what you can learn from it and how each of you can um, integrate whatever it is you do learn. Uh, but that was really helpful. Let's just talk about some of the things that were really helpful that we actually did in the four-hour conversation or that we later like processed the four-hour conversation and came to even um, greater like solutions and resolutions about yeah. how to move forward. So, first of all, we, in that break time, both of us were covering ourselves in prayer. Like, I was praying about the relationship. You were praying about it. We were praying about the next steps. We were praying about asking for help. And not just ourselves, but for each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. And I was keenly aware in the moments, even though I was not ready to come back to and try to work on the repair because I wasn't, I didn't feel emotionally or mentally ready. But in that time, I was, God impressed it upon me that we, we have work to do and we're burning some time, you know, and that also in our relationships, not just in ours, but everybody's relationships, that time where you're spent um, in your separate corners, so to mm-hmm. speak, is time that the enemy gets a foothold. You know, he says in, in scripture, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil a foothold. It's basically saying the devil works splits. Whenever you're split, whether you're split with your spouse or a parent or a child or a best friend or um, a a business partnership, it it when there's a split or a rupture that is is just hanging out and is 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 not being um, addressed, addressed and moved towards resolution. He's going to use that time to get in your head. If in anybody, anyone, anybody on earth should know this. If you've had um, any kind of conflict and if you're living here, you should, you should have had that. So um, on that break, you recognize if you're paying attention to the voices in your head, if you're t- paying attention to your thought process in your head, you'll notice you're probably more critical of the other person. You're probably less critical of yourself. You're probably making lots of assumptions about motives or what happened, or you're, you're playing through your own narrative and it's part of the story. It's not all of the story and you need the other person's perspective and you don't have that um, to roll around in your head. And the longer you do go, you get those, those thoughts are not just assumptions, they turn into like concrete facts in your head. Like these, this totally happened and you totally said this and you can get married to the story in your head and that can work against you because that other person 
a lot of the times is getting married to the story in their head. Yeah. And when you come back together, you are both so confident in the thing that you've been telling yourself for however long that it's hard to hear something different. So, um, yeah, it's, it was really important that we're just aware of how he works that and how he loves division. That is his job, is to, <laughs> is to make us believe that our war is with each other. Right. And it is not. And that is that was so a message that just got repeated over and over to me is like your war is not with the people. Your war is not with with her. We're friends. That's my friend. I love her. This we are on mission together. This is not the the enemy delights in this. And I don't want to make him happy. Yeah. And Ephesians says that. Our war is not with each other. Right. Ephesians 6. Yeah. But our war is with the dark principalities and rulers of this world. Mm-hmm. If you, It doesn't take um, any genius to look around and see our world is a mess. And it is not. Um, we're warring with the wrong people. or Because we're warring with people. And, so um, one of the things that. You said that we were doing during this time, and we were both doing it, was covering each other and ourselves in prayer and asking for for help. And I, I was asking for God, you know, mm-hmm. take my anger. Um, help me to be patient and to hear whenever we did talk, because... We all act out of our own trauma wounds. We talk a little bit about that. We've said it a couple of times, our trauma responses. And the way you were raised, the relationships that you have had throughout your life, Mm -hmm. they shape how you react in conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And because of those things, we both have trauma responses to certain things. and recognizing where those are in the people that you care about and what those look like are important skills in learning to communicate effectively with them. Mm -hmm. Recognizing the people in the room from your past or maybe even your present, you know, because there are people, family members that we engage with in our present that um, trip trip those wires and so being aware of who is that for you or what is that for you you need to know your own Mm -hmm. and it's really important that you share that with the people who are the most intimate people in your life the people who you have let into your core your core feelings and thoughts and perspectives your core beliefs your the the core of who you are the people that you let in that um, the essence of who you are, you let them see that and you share your deepest parts of your life with them. They also need to know where your deepest wounds are. What has happened to you that you are sensitive to that you can, you can flip on it. So a trauma response is a, 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 a wound being rewounded in the present yeah. and it feeling like something somebody else did to you that was particularly painful. And so in that moment, like whenever you had these looks on your face or your response and your posturing looked very similar to times in my life when I saw my sister's face. Yeah. And even though I know you're not her, my head knows it, my body reacts like it's in danger because that's how I felt before. And so I posture like I posture with her. And that was a younger part of me. You know, that that was a, a, a the teenage Bonnie or whatever. You know, we all have little younger versions of us that we have to process and we have to name and contain because we're trying to do life. At least we are. You know, we're trying to do life as adults. I want my 39 year old self to show up 
and engage with my adult friend. I don't want 14-year-old Bonnie to show up and engage with my friend because she is not as good at that. We've grown up since then. And so, um, but at those, those when I see, when my body senses certain things or picks up on certain things, it will respond. And that's everybody. And if it's not a question of, do you have these trauma responses? It's a question of what are yes. your trauma responses? Who trips those for you? What trips those? There are subtle gestures in the way people posture their body that I am aware of. Um, so knowing that and sharing that with each other, it's important that when we trip over those, you are aware that I'm, I'm time traveling a little bit in my body or that you, I'm aware that you are. And it's important that everybody who is listening is aware that we all time travel when we're, when we get triggered like that and you're not fully in that moment, you're also in another moment in time, dealing with it the way maybe your younger self did deal with things. And so you have to come almost wrestle that younger self or that, that way that you dealt with it and try to move to something more mature. Yeah. And so that's the, some of the things that we want to do as mature adults is we want to deal with things directly with the person. We don't go on that break. You don't call three other people who weren't in the conversation and get their opinions about what right. you think she did and what you think he did or whatever. That is, uh, it's called gossip. If it's not for the edification of the relationship, it's not helpful. Yeah. And I did not, I, I didn't, I did not do that. I don't think I shared that with you, but I did not find it fruitful to go to anyone but God about this. Yeah. And so it would have not been beneficial to call somebody up and be like, can you believe this? Because sometimes when we do that, we're just trying to get people in our corner. Right. And a, a good friend, if you're even going to do that, is going to be like, uh, you need to go talk to that person. Right. The Lord calls us, if we have a dispute with somebody else in Matthew 18, it says, if you have a dispute with someone, you're instructed, we're instructed to go directly to that person. And talk it out with that person. Now, if they don't hear you, or if you need to call for backup, so to speak, <laughs> it might be necessary to do that. But you do your best not to go triangulate. We call it triangulate. Right. Pulling other people or squaring or however big that, that shape can <laughs> get. Pulling everybody into your side or pulling everybody into a situation that has nothing to do with them. It is not beneficial to do that. Well, and not only does it not have anything to do with them, but they weren't there. So they couldn't yeah. see what happened. They couldn't see my posturing or yours. They couldn't hear the how we were speaking to each other or, mm -hmm. or the context of what we were, you know, like they weren't there. No one else knows what happened in that moment, in that room, except for you and I. Right. And it's important to remember also when people come to you for you to be pulled in. If you are a person, if if you are being triangulated or someone's offering you the bait to, 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 to come swirl in with their beef with somebody else, it's important that especially as a believer, you decline that invitation. Or something that I, I have always tried to make a practice in my own life and in especially my friend relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm a sounding board and that's it. Yeah. When it comes to my friends, if they want to talk to me about the fight that they had with their husband or something like that, I will hear them as a sounding board. I will reflect to them what they're saying. I do not offer opinion and I don't have a dog in that fight. And it's because I'm not in that relationship. I'm not in that spouse relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't have an opinion. I'm never, I would never tell you, oh, you should leave him, or I wouldn't let my husband talk to me that way, or I don't, I don't have that opinion. Or this is what you should do. Uh-uh. That doesn't come out of mm -hmm. this mouth when it comes to those kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm just being a sounding board. Mm -hmm. I hear what you say, and then I show you back to you, this is what you've said to me. What you do with that, 
And I even usually say, I don't have to sleep in that bed. I'm mm-hmm. not in that marriage. You got to do what works for you. And if you are happy and can live with that, then I support that. Mm-hmm. Because that's who's in the relationship. Right. And so if a friend does try to triangulate you or anything mm-hmm. like that, if you're not a person who can just be a sounding board and you're going to pick a side or you're going to have to put in your two cents because that's the way you operate, definitely decline because you're not doing your friend any favors mm-hmm. and you're not doing yourself any favors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it is, it's one thing, like you said, you, you try not to give directives is what yeah. I hear. Like you should do this or you shouldn't do that. But I do think whenever we process things, if you're seeing from a friend that they are a little, they are off, off base or out of line, that it is our job to say, whoa, you know, if we're seeing that they are out of line or out of bounds to go talk to the person they had that rupture with and de- deal with it within that relationship. Well, that's what I call, that's. For me, that's my verbiage is different than yours, but that's my reflecting it back. To okay. Me. Okay. When they're saying something to me, if to me, I'm like, oh, that's really harsh. Mm-hmm. I just repeat back to them what they've said. And then usually they'll go, oh, when you yeah. say it like that, it kind of sounds harsh. I'm like, here's your mirror. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. That's my, re- my word is reflecting. Yeah. Here's your mirror. Yeah. And that's what mirrors do. So that's pretty, that's a pretty good word. Um, The things that we also remembered or that was helpful is while we were working through it in our four hour um, (laughs) repair is that I and you both were remembering um, in both the, the, in between the, like the processing beforehand and during that we have a commitment to one another. We have tasks that we've been tasked by the Holy Spirit, by God above to do certain things. And when I said we're, we're living on mission with each other, we really are. We have joint callings mm-hmm. and they're not about us. It's right. about him. And to say no to those affects other people's lives. It's not just, it's not, it's about kingdom work for right. us. And so if you are married, you're in a covenant relationship. And as we've talked about, we kind of, we feel, even though we don't have a contract right. necessarily, we have, we're in a covenant relationship with each other. We've made an agreement that we will do what he says. And he has put us together to do work together. Right. And he's given us joint callings. And so we, we recognize that if you're in a marriage, you are in a covenant relationship with God. God created marriage. And you have agreed that you would try to do your best <laughs> to come together and honor that commitment and honor that covenant. There are times, obviously, where that is not possible to do. But you are supposed to do your best to honor that covenant. If you are in a friendship, um, friendships do come and go. And honestly, they, they should and as we evolve. Too, yeah. And some have, some have ran their course and they need to move on to and and go down different roads. But that is another question. When you get into a rupture with someone you're in an intimate bond with, you need to ask God, what is your will for this relationship? Is this a, is it a time where we go our separate ways? Is it a time where we just, we, we don't, we're not as close as maybe we share certain things with each other, but there's, you know, we're different people now and we don't engage in the same way or is, do we need to continue and maintain this relationship and fight through the hard parts to maintain the same level of intimacy and closeness and connection and relying on one another and doing life with each other as we had before. Right. Because that answer is not the same for every rupture with every Mm -hmm. person. Some relationships need to be gone. Some relationships need to leave. Yeah. And you can forgive anyone. Doesn't mean you reconcile with them. Right. We are called to forgive everybody, period. There's no exception or clause that states, right. except these people that do these things. 
we're called to forgive. We are not called to be reconciled to everybody, to stay on the same path with everybody, to be as close with and to trust everybody. Not everybody's trustworthy. And sometimes ruptures reveal people's true character. And it is necessary for the relationship to end to protect one or both people. Mm -hmm. So really surrendering to the will, God's will for the relationship and seeking that out ruptures you you know ruptures are the avenue where you figure that out you figure out what you got when you go into conflict with somebody if you don't my mom always told me don't ever you know get married <laughs> with someone that you haven't had conflict with you want to see how they would do conflict and so you, you know, you watch how, how do you navigate conflict? Can you get to resolution with a person? Well, I thought, you know, <laughs> I am divorced. We've talked about that. I perceived our conflicts differently than what reality actually was. And I didn't know that there was a whole other thing playing out right. behind this, behind my sight. And I didn't know thoughts and motives. Those were not something that I was aware of. But all I saw was the resolution. When someone says sorry and then you don't see the behavior in front of you anymore, then that means that they're sorry. But that, unfortunately, I came to learn many years later, that was not my reality wasn't really reality. And so sometimes relationships do have to end and there's lots of healing that has to take place. But we are called to forgive regardless of how things have to go. Right. You know? Regardless of what the nature of the relationship ends up being, forgiveness is always the goal. Um, So something we talked about also was, well, what do we do? We cannot fix the fact that we're flawed. We cannot fix. When you say flawed, I want to just point out, like, what we mean by that is I'm loud. And if we are having a discussion or, or a talk or and I get louder, and that trips a trigger for you, I'm unintentionally getting loud because by nature, I'm loud. So, like, my sister has super sensitive hearing, and so we always have this running thing in our family between us whenever we're in a vehicle or we may be, we, I'm excited telling her about something. It, when, I, when my voice goes up to the octave that her ears start screaming, she just takes her finger and put and just puts it up by her ear like, oh, you're being loud. That signals that to me. She doesn't mm-hmm. have to say that. She doesn't have to. She just puts her finger up, and I recognize that as, oh, I need to tone it down a little. Mm-hmm. And there, there's no hard feelings there. Mm-hmm. She has sensitive ears, and I'm a loud human being. So we work on that. So when you're saying we need, we're working on things, mm-hmm. what we're recognizing is I know that me being loud especially in a conflict, not just necessarily loud across the board, but especially when we're having a disagreement, that trips your trigger. Mm -hmm. So I will want to work on ways to, whenever I get angry with you, not to jump to loud first, Mm -hmm. to try to stop and take a minute and gather up my things and try to to say whatever I need to say to you without yelling at, mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. And for for me, um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about prevention. Like we can't, we can't totally prevent um, a trauma response because that is, it does get wired in. You can heal as much as you can heal, but your body is still the body you have to wear around this world, you know? And so my job is to also um, work on healing my trauma as much as I possibly can, because that affects my present relationships with everybody I let in close. Yeah. So my job is to, to the degree that you can commit to truly healing your wounds with other people and forgiving them, then you get to, you don't have to carry, that's not a heavy load that you're carrying into your relationships um, as heavy a load. You know, it still is there and your body keeps the 
the score, as we say. But when you're not carrying resentment and hatred and not reprocessing your stuff and learning and growing and changing and letting it get off of your body or, or relief, when you're not, when you're not doing that, then there's a quite a, you're like a ticking time bomb. You know, you are, your body is on active all the time. Right. And so our commitment to each other and really to God, I mean, that's first my commitment to God is to heal the thing, heal as much as I can in the ways that he has guided me to do that. And forgiveness does, you know, they say it's it's more about you than it is about them, which I think that's just a platitude that I actually don't agree with. I think it's about obedience to God before it's about all about you. Um, you get the byproduct of forgiveness is, yes, you're not wearing resentment and bitterness, um, and that works well for everybody, but it is a command. That's why you should do it. God, God invented us, and he wrote some rules about how we should engage with each other, and when we participate in his rules and in his ways, it works out better. So you get the byproduct of, but really, obedience should be our goal, not, I'm going to do this so I'll get something better out yeah. of it. And so we have committed to doing that. And I would encourage y'all to commit to healing your own stuff, whatever it takes, because you're going to have healthier relationships. You're going to have the ability to repair with someone that you love relationships that need to, to that, that you need in your life. You'll be able to maintain and not just maintain, but you'll be able to thrive in to be fully known and loved and to be able to give and receive that with each other is a gift. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that if you're just like, you know, piling up, you know, wounds that, you know, you keeping it in your your resentment trunk. Um, And so that's something that we've decided or we've decided a long time ago that we do. The other thing is whenever we catch, as soon as we recognize that either one of us have a trauma response and we, you know, we try to say something before it goes to a 10. Yeah. Like, like even today, as we were prepping for this, I, I picked up on something with you and I put my hands up and that's my signal. And I said, whoa. And you like, calmed your you calmed your voice or you calmed your your body or like you took your volume down and it's like okay if we can prevent that right as it starts we don't even have to go all those rounds of you said this to me then you said that to me that I did this and then you got out and then like you don't have to go through remembering the play-by-play of the next 15 moves you made because we only made two moves and that's far easier to come back from then continuing that dance. We call that in EFT, uh, emotionally focused therapy. We call that stopping the dance. If you can stop the dance, you don't have to go all those other, those other rounds of confusion and hurt. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder like, how am I supposed to change the way I communicate? How am I supposed to like, I can't do this on my own. And guess what? You're right. You can't mm-hmm. because the way you've been doing it all along is how you got where you are. And if you're trying to still do it with that same thoughts and the same processes that you've been using, you're not going to get anywhere. So seek the Holy Spirit for how mm-hmm. to handle those conversations. Seek the advice of a godly, Holy Spirit-believing Christian therapist. Mm-hmm. Talk to them. First and foremost, though, God is going to be your answer. There are tools and great things that you can learn um, about yourself and about others and about how you process by going to Mm -hmm. therapy. But having a relationship with God and allowing him to to hold a mirror up for you and for you to look at, uh, truly surrender yourself to him, truly look inside yourself and recognize that we are flawed sinners. And because of that, We screw up all the time. The best we can hope for in this relationship that we, in relationships that we are walking in, Mm -hmm. is to to get in relationships with people who, when they do hurt us, they want to learn why they hurt us, how they hurt us, 
make changes to those things, make those repairs Mm -hmm. to prevent from hurting us again in the future. And to just admit when they do that and to be willing to apologize and own that. That's the best we can hope in relationship with people. Right, a sincere apology. There is saying sorry, and there is showing sorry. Well, you know if they are sorry or not, because if they continue the same pattern of behavior, then there's no change. Right, there is no true grief over their behavior, and that's the difference. And especially in relationships, trying to figure out who's genuinely safe. If someone is telling you they're sorry, and they're sobbing, and there's no real change, and the patterns continue to to go on and on, and hurt keeps happening, they're not actually sorry. They're placating you. And that's the difference. We said to each other in the Mm four-hour repair, I love you. Every harm I do to you is unintentional. I never say to myself, I'm going to get her, you know, like, I never want to do that. I'm grieved. We both cried with each other about the hurts that we unintentionally caused. And it should grieve you if you love the person you're in relationship with. It should it should kind of gut punch you when you realize what you're capable of when someone lets you in like that and you let somebody else in like that. So it's impossible to have an intimate relationship where we don't hurt each other. But right. what I'm seeking is I want to be I want to be close with people who and I want to let people in who will unintentionally harm me and will also seek to learn and change things that do harm me as I do that with them and make repairs so that we can continue to grow in our depth in our relationship and with trust. I trust people. I will I will allow you to hurt me and accept that you you're going to do that if I know that there is an earnest commitment to not doing it again, if there's an earnest commitment to um to really changing parts of yourself that contribute to that. And so when we were wrapping that up, we were like, okay, Here's the main idea, or here's our oh, recap. There was one other thing I, I wanted to um, bring up about it. Okay. As we had our conversation, the more that it went on, we recognized that you were you were pointing out some things that I had done that had hurt you and how it hurt you. You told me that. And I was pointing out things you had done to me that hurt me, and I was telling you that. And as I was doing that, I realized and and said out loud, I just realized that I am doing to you what I'm saying that you are doing to me. Mm-hmm. That realization, that that ownership that I was able to take and that you were able to take, when we realized we're hurting each other the same way. Like, it doesn't look the same because our hurts are different, Mm -hmm. but it's literally the same thing. It's the same emotions. It's the same feelings. Like, it's the same hurt. Yeah. Just looks different. Yeah. And when, when I realized that, and when you realized I realized that, and vice versa, we're able to go, oh, this is someone who can, who can hear Mm -hmm. That they're hurting me and want to do different. Mm-hmm. And it makes a difference when you get to that place with someone. So short recap here. When you're in conflict with someone. Be willing to have open communication with them. It's not going to be easy. It may take a while. Some It may take more than one round. Mm-hmm. But don't wait weeks to have the discussion. Be in prayer about it. Don't take it to 50 other people. It's between you and God and the person that you're talking to. And if you two can't get that worked out between you and God and each other, then involve a pastor or a counselor that you trust or someone who can remain neutral. Or someone who has a good track record Uh of being discerning 
Yeah. And self-controlled and slow to speak and fast to listen. Yeah. And, um, and like, like you said, main idea, seek God earnestly. When you're seeking God earnestly, that provides insight into yourself and into promptings that he'll give you about your own self that, that you're not going to get access to the same way when you go to a person for that feedback. And be willing to admit your fault and let things, let things go. Mm -hmm. Because if we continue to hold on to little begrudges because we won't give them to God, this is something that today, for instance, we had our four hour this past week or whatever, but today when we were starting to heat up and we got cross with each other immediately, my prayer was, I don't, I don't want to be angry and Mm -hmm. I'm real mad right now. And it's not going to do us any good for me to be real mad. God, I'm giving you this anger because I don't want it. And I know you can handle it. And that's what I did with it. I Mm -hmm. gave it to him. So someone you can talk to, someone who's willing to do the work, someone who is equally committed to the relationship. Because if you're in a relationship that you're the only one committed to any of this, it's kind of a waste of time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you find that the friend or partner or whoever you're in relationship with that you've had a conflict with is equally committed to this and you find that they're equally committed to God and you can have these conversations, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Worth every bit of effort. Worth all the lost sleep, Brindy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. 